0: Hi, I'm Andy Tsurianos.
1: Hi, I'm Robin Potter. Hi, I'm Adam Gifford.
0: This is the School of School Podcast. Welcome to the School of School Podcast. Are you a math teacher looking for an assessment tool that can give you a detailed look into learner or class achievement? With insights, it's all in one place. Make sense of assessment data so you can strategically plan and teach lessons. Insights, it's assessment for advancement. Visit problem.com for more information. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the School of School podcast. And like usual, we've got Adam and Robin. Say hi guys.
2: Hi Andy. Hi.
0: you both failed the test i said hi say hi guys i I didn't i I knew you wanted me to
1: say hi guys (laughs)
2: i thought i was doing well saying hi i thought i was (laughs) sticking to the script i know
0: we'll forgive you this time so we got a special guest today we've got uh jennifer doucette from collingwood school in west vancouver in canada hi jen and jen can you tell us a bit about yourself for our audience
3: I would love to. Hi, everyone. Nice to see you. Um, my name is Jennifer Doucette. I work at Collingwood School in West Vancouver, and I'm the Director of Teaching, Learning, and Innovation. And so, what does that mean? Uh, it means that I have a job that is focused directly on student learning and working with teachers and students and communicating with, communicating with parents to make sure that student learning is front and center of all we do at Collingwood. Exciting. It is. How long have
0: how long you been at Collingwood?
3: Well, I've been at Collingwood for a long time, over 20 years, but I did leave for a little window in between. So uh, overall, about 20 years, a long time.
0: Well, the one thing I will say about Collingwood, I mean, um, you know, I spend a lot of time visiting schools and I visited lots of schools and I've been, um, you know, I, I remember the first time I went to Collingwood, it was several years ago and I went to the, uh, the elementary school, the primary school, because you guys have two campuses, one for elementary and one for secondary, and I was, uh, I was blown away by you guys. I thought you guys were doing such a fantastic job. So well done to you guys. I think it's a great school. Uh, my daughter goes to Collingwood, and I'm really proud to say that my daughter goes to Collingwood. So thank you, Jen, for what you do. Um, so listen, today we're here to talk about student-centered decision-making in schools. That sounds dangerous. What is it?
3: (laughs) It's it's actually um, really can be dangerous, um, but it's actually really interesting and inspiring. So we are a school that, like most schools, had always done what everybody did. You know, you set your schedule up the way it's always been. You have your students and activities the way they've always been. And when we rolled out a new curriculum in BC, we were noticing a lot of things. We were noticing student well-being, was was not what it used to be. Students were really struggling, and this was just before the pandemic actually, and it's just been exacerbated since. We noticed our students were well oversubscribed. Uh, they're really highly engaged. They're really highly engaged academically, and they love their co-curriculars, and they just couldn't keep up. And we found that sometimes students would get into their schedule and they would maybe not be able to focus on all their courses, and they wouldn't do as well in some of them, and they'd focus on the ones they loved. And um, we just we didn't know what to do. And so when the pandemic came along, we actually formed some committees and we we've made some decisions. So instead of just adapting, then we thought, what can we do if we put student learning at the center of our decisions? We have a little window of opportunity where people might not push back as hard. um, And how can we come about and do those things? And so we involved a lot of teachers in those decisions because teachers are important because if you're going to make a student centered decision you have to have your teachers on side for that and so we sort of got together and made a new timetable so that's kind of our first example do you want me to just explain the timetable yes, or please. did you want yes. okay please <laughs> So typically, uh, and I'm actually kind of excited because it opened up, the pandemic opened up this window of opportunity and we jumped through it and we'd left a lot of baggage behind and we've we've rolled with it. So in the past, our students used to take eight courses. So everybody at Collingwood in grade eight through 12 would have five classes a day for an hour. They'd have a 45 minute lunch and they'd have a, about a 20 minute recess break And so every hour, they would listen to a math teacher, close their books. Five minutes later, they would be sitting in an English class. They would be doing their English work, close their books. Five minutes later, they would show up in a different class. And uh, it, it became, the kids would use the word like a grind. School is a grind. And so what we did, instead of having students take all those eight courses, we broke up our schedule to run what we've, a trimester system. And it's called, we nicknamed it the two five one. So students from September to November, they take two courses. Those are two and a half hours long. They happen every day. And at the end of those um, two months, the students are completed those two courses. Then starting in November until mid-May, students are in five courses. You can think of this like an elongated semester system. So it's a little bit longer, one extra course over a longer period of time. And then at the very end of the year, students are in one single experiential education, um, deep dive course. And so what's happened that's been really beneficial is our students have fewer concurrent courses and it's really allowed them to explore and delve into their co-curriculars which bring them a lot of joy. So if you can get more joy out of your co-curriculars, you get a little bit more joy out of school. And overall, we're seeing our students are a little bit um, more engaged. Uh, They're doing better in their classes and, yeah, it's been an interesting wow. journey
1: putting student learning at the centre, G- yes. Yeah. So many oh. questions now from that. Oh, yeah. Honestly. Adam, you start us off, yeah. I
2: was just thinking, that first year must have been terrifying as a teacher because you must just be thinking, man, are we gonna make it, No, you know, like, I've never heard a teacher say, oh my goodness. I've done everything really well on the curriculum and I've got all this time at the end of the year that I just don't know how to fill. I've never, and I've worked with probably hundreds, possibly thousands of teachers now. So to to sort of flip that on its head and say, I'll tell you what, we'll do less at the beginning. It must have been scary thinking, are we going to make it? Was it like that?
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh, Well, and also if you think about the fact that um, they had no professional learning. We, we, we met, the school closed down in March. We had our committees meeting online during that school closure when all of us were closed till June. We rolled out our decision. We did some online training, like the groups. So we had one from each department uh, about scheduling. And then, you know, we've we really focused on our backwards design. So what do you want students to understand at the end of the course? How are you going to plan backwards? So our teachers planned backwards for the following year. But yeah, it was scary because two and a half hours is a lot. You you can't do what you did before. You can't talk to them for two and a half hours. They have to be doing more work than you when they're in the room. So we had this little saying, and, and it was like, if you can do it with a computer or a tutor, don't do it when they're in front of you. So what are kids doing in the space when they're in front of you, and how do you reframe your thinking? So yes, it was absolutely... Sc- it's still scary, to be honest. We're only in our third year of it, and... Um, the teachers here are unbelievable. The students love their classes, but it, it, it's a lot of learning
2: work for my, teachers. My brain is literally going yeah. about 8 billion <laughs> miles an hour thinking, right, I'm coming to work at Collingwood, right, in September, here we go. What, wow, What? that is a massive shift. That, that's a really really significant shift.
1: What's the feedback from the students? Like, I would just think two and a half hours, that first trimester is that what you're calling yeah trimester Uh, yeah yeah so they've got two and two two and a half hours of two classes every day and i'm thinking how as a student am i going to stay focused during that two and a half hour that's long i mean look at their attention span nowadays i mean it's a millisecond so how do you keep them engaged for that first trimester before jumping to five courses, that are obviously much shorter, like a much shorter length of time, but a lot more. Inter- I, I mean, I'm just blown away with this. So I'm curious, what's their feedback about it? Like, are, is there a sem- is there a trimester they enjoy more than another, or are they okay with the change up? Uh, I think they enjoy the two and the
3: one the most. So because it's less like like school. Um, and so in our first year, it was hard, like some courses were great and some courses weren't, but their, their attention is short if you're talking to them, but their attention isn't short if you give them instruction and you give them something really meaningful to do. And so we found, um, our students love the bonding that they get as a class at the beginning of the year. That was surprising feedback for us. So they would actually say they feel the tightest as a community in the first trimester, And they will go back to that teacher as like a trusted adult in the building more often than they'll go to others. Um, So that's really cool. The other thing that's really beneficial is our teachers actually, most of them, unless they chose to have two, they only teach one block. So they have the afternoon to prep and plan and collaborate and think about how they're going to approach that learning. And uh, they also like the two because... You have we call yeah the first trimester uh, because you can go out on field trips, you can bring in guest speakers, um, you're doing all kinds of things, and they have a flex period to get their homework done in that system as well. So they have still have a 45 minute um, break where they do what they we we call get what you need. Do you need to get some exercise? Do you need to sit down and get your homework done? Do you need to find a teacher for help? Um, So they do find the pace of certain courses really hard. But what we changed this last year is there's courses that are opt-in to first trimester. So if you love math and you want to take math twice in the year, you opt in to math in the first trimester, you could take math later. If you really, really love it, and in the beginning with COVID, we actually just scheduled everyone. So for some students, math in the first trimester was the worst thing that ever happened to them. Um, and now it's the best thing that ever happened to a lot of our kids because now they get to take two math courses in, the, in a year rather than take one uh, and then wait a whole year to take the next one. And then, Adam, I'm going to blow your mind. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm, I'm bracing This is going to be crazy. Yeah, go, on, go on.
2: <laughs>
3: Okay, so, so this year, this the reason our students like the final trimester so much is because it becomes truly experiential. So a required course in British Columbia, everyone has to take, is Social's 10. And Social's 10 is World War I, and it includes Canadian government. And so this year, we opted um, into our families, and we said, we're going to offer a few courses that involve travel. And so right now, this week, we've got 27 grade 10 students in Ottawa uh, studying the Canadian government. Somebody got to meet the prime minister, apparently, which I thought was really exciting. But they're having tours through government. They're having walking tours. Then they're reflecting. They're doing their assignments while they're there. And so the students that could choose that opted into that. We also had New Media 11 which is an elective English course. So you study English through film, and you create film. Last week, they were in New York for a week. And a really big highlight of that was they actually went to a a movie, they came out, someone from the New York Times came out, gave them a lesson on how to write a movie review. And then they wrote a movie review. And so in New York City in Central Park on a sunny day. So uh, those kinds of experiences for us, they're so memorable. We want students to, you know, in years go back. I remember learning how to do this. I remember putting in the hard hours, but they were enjoyable. Um, so that's sort of where we are with those two
1: trimesters.
0: Yeah, and Sign me up know, for
1: that course, please. Well, so, hey, <laughs> yeah.
0: Artemis just came back from the New York trip. Oh, oh great. I, fun. I picked her up from the airport and, oh, my goodness, she was buzzing. She was just buzzing she just loved it you know she's talking she was talking about it like it's one of the greatest experiences of her life she'll never forget that trip she was so um so taken by i guess the generosity of everyone uh she was um you know that 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 they got to speak to and you know all the experiences that they had together as a group and also surprisingly had nothing but great things to say about the teachers, you know? So it, it I mean, that, I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, they are great teachers, but but it's building those bonds and relationships yeah. and those real world experiences. And, 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 this kind of, um, trimester system opens that up, right? It opens those possibilities. Um, you know, not every, and not every child is going to go to New York. Not every child has, the, uh, you know, um, but it doesn't. It's not really even about New, going to New York. I mean, going to New York is a fascinating thing. But you know, if you're in a public school system and you're not, you know, there may be all kinds of restrictions or reasons why you can't do that. But there, you, it's not about going far necessarily. It's just about having that opportunity to spend that intense time together, and bond, and and you know, see the world in a much more kind of um, I don't know. Ex- experiential, am I even saying that right, We're, uh, way, you know, being able to see the world and that experience it, basically experience the world and see maybe how they could fit into it, right?
3: Well, a good example is law. So when you do a mock trial in law in regular school, the thing drags out for two weeks. You got an hour, pack it up, but we do our mock trials in a day in H block. And, in, in and that's our third trimester. And in our first trimester, they happen over two days. So kids get really into it. Um, We've got our BC First Peoples history class going on right now for the first time and they're doing place-based learning. So if they're talking about the impact of the cedar trees, we've got a dam right next to us with a forest. They're out there in a circle talking about the history of the First Peoples uh, of British Columbia. And so that's why it's really cool to be in these programs. You know, I could name mm-hmm. them sports science. You're t- you're geared up on all this equipment. You're tracking your body. It's really leveraged for us. Uh, a world where kids can have two experiential ex- learning experiences, and then they can have still some traditional classes that happen in that elongated semester time. So,
2: Jen, is this is this two five one model? Is it sort of widely used Canada? Somewhere else? There must have been. I'm I'm just wondering if you, when you when you're discussing and thinking about these things, if there were models that existed that perhaps formed a bit of a basis, or, or what, or were you like totally on your own? And when when you're doing this,
3: well, it's completely. We think we're the only people doing it, but we we took the ideas from the block schedule method, which is the two period when you only have two, is actually really popular in some places, and it's really effective for learning. And then teaching one course at a time is also like, there's universities that actually do teach one course at a time as well. And uh, we looked into certain schools. There's a school called the Hawkins School in Ohio that is unbelievable. They do what they, they call that intensives. They do them twice a year um, and we do ours once a year. And so there are schools doing versions of it, but I don't think anybody's combined it in the, in the way we have, but we did root it in what's best for learning, uh, how do we get longer classes? How do we make? How do we build classes that allow transfer learning, not just knowledge um, of things that you just kind of live in a silo? And so we used all that research, but I
2: I think our combination is is unique. And, and as long as I understood it right, are you seeing <laughs> that that the the attainment? in all of the separate areas has some form of parity across the year or, or you know, are there- Yeah, so we you know,
3: have really um, inflexible uh, achievement standards and inflexible learning goals, but really flexible means to achieve them. So your, your law class that you have, it, it happens three times. It happens in the first trimester, the second trimester and the third. The way you experience the learning is gonna to be totally different, but what you have to learn is exactly the same. Um, Another question that people might wonder about is, well, aren't kids gonna forget everything? So if they learned it in first trimester and then they don't take it again until the next year, how are they gonna remember? And our answer to that is they didn't remember anyways. And then the second answer to that is when you promote deeper learning, Uh, there's actually been a greater chance that the students will remember. So we were finding kids would forget over the summer. So that's why we moved our math into all math classes, unless you opt in are scheduled in that elongated semester, the the second trimester. But even in COVID, we found students that when we had no choice but to schedule them because of uh, restrictions, students who took, let's say, math 10 in the the first trimester and didn't take math again till the second trimester the next year, we still found that they did well. So we tracked all of that just to make sure that students were learning. But it is a natural fear, right? Because students think they remember everything, uh, but they don't necessarily.
2: And I've got another thing that's burning and okay. I, know, I know I should probably stop and let Andy and Robin go, but I'm just not going to at this <laughs> stage, Jen. What do you? What do you, your elementary, would call it primary, colleagues think of this? Is, there, is this piqued their interest? Are they seeing that, that, that perhaps there's a, a version that, that can be done in, a, in an elementary primary setup,
3: well, I think they do this really well. So when you're the homeroom teacher of a class and you're realizing our students are in they're in flow, you know, like a grade six kid is loving that thing that they're working on in their English class because they're also the math teacher usually they can actually elongate that period of time and then rearrange. Oh, we're going to do more math later on in the day. And so I would actually say elementary teachers are almost inspiration for something like this because they do that interdisciplinary so well and they draw things in. Um, it would be harder to schedule because they're, they're not really specialists then. We want everything to sort of be interconnected in elementary just to promote for me, elementary is about foundational skill building and joy of learning. We wanna make sure there's no fear of subjects. Kids really love everything, but they do it very well. But there's, a, I mean, it's, it's hard. I, I mean, I'm, I'm saying it's all wonderful, but there's teachers that still say like, oh my goodness, like this isn't, I'm doing things differently. How do I know the kids are doing well? And so we just keep checking in all, all, our, all our data and taking student feedback and tracking them year to year in those courses that are so important that you've built skills. Um, and just making sure that our students are engaged. But once you hit grade ten, and you have an area of interest, you're in. Like, I'm in math in the first trimester. Well, then I have two really high level sciences that have math in them. So the students
2: are sort of pulling all that along all the way through.
0: So different, Adam, right? Than England. So different.
2: Yeah, it really is. And I just think, and I know, I know, we've, we have to wrap it up. But but I think that this is this is the interesting thing about when you accept that you can have a level of autonomy in a school, you then have to ask the question is will I use it? And I think that that's where these things become really interesting because that takes a certain amount of courage, right? Because there's always risk, even if you research it and, you know, look at different models and all of those sorts of things. Um, yeah, fascinating. Yeah. But you know, things. there's yeah. there's
0: one thing though, right? And this is a little bit of user beware. I mean Collingwood was an outstanding school before it started doing this, right? Now, you know, when you and Adam, you and I have had a lot of experience working with schools that are not outstanding schools. And, you know, sometimes the culture in the school is poisonous for one reason or another. Or, you know, there are challenges that are that make it almost impossible. And I, I could see that, you know, in those instances, maybe this wouldn't work. I mean, you need to fix that first, right? But I think what's, what's interesting about this is it's something to aim for, right? It's something to to work towards. I just don't know if you'd get away with it in, in England. Maybe the political system wouldn't let you do it. That's something that we can discuss another time, but you know, how would Ofsted respond <laughs> yeah, to this yeah. in, in England? You know? Yeah. I think you could do it in New Zealand. You could do it in New Zealand. I think New Zealand would be very yeah, open to there's this.
2: Certainly that degree of yeah, we, we get left well, I say we've been in the UK twenty years, but yeah, there is that degree of, of, of autonomy that's expected. Uh yeah. And oh, I think New, Zealand, it's New Zealand's got day, a lot yeah. in
0: common with British Columbia and how they approach education as well, right? So anyway, look, Jennifer, you know, wow, wow. I think you just blew everybody's mind again. Yes, So thank absolutely. you so much for sharing that experience with us. Um, you know, we'll have to get you back on and talk more about this.
3: You need to get the students on to talk about let's this. Do ah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do
0: it. If you can round up students to talk about it, oh, we'd I, love to do a I, podcast. Oh, yeah, that be fun? absolutely. Yeah. They're
3: great. And they're, another student-centered thing that we didn't even talk about is I have students on interview panels. We have student interview panels for new teachers because they play an important role in those decisions, right? So our students are really good at articulating learning here so that would be I could I could very easily get you some great students to to speak to you
0: yeah let's do it and you know we could do this maybe because you guys teach in in some of your media classes you teach podcasting and stuff so maybe we get mm-hmm. you know kind of work that into yeah you know make them do some of the work right <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> okay great fantastic wow I'm so excited now um thanks Jen
3: no my pleasure is is really exciting to talk about uh what we're doing so thank you for having me
0: Thank you for joining us on the School with School podcast.